Blog Talk Radio. This is that feeling that you get right before you pull into the water box or right after you do your burnout. Check them straps. Roll your neck a little bit. Take a couple deep breaths. You're bumping it in. And you let go. Well, it's the top of the bottom and you know you crushed it. You get the 500 foot out and you start beating the pedal out of that thing. You get to the finish line, you knock on the drop on. Whatever you do, <laughs> this is that feeling right here. or implied are not necessarily those of Wheels Up Radio or its sponsors. Take care now. Bye-bye then. Founded in 1968, Sassy Racing Engines, your supercharged Hemi Superstore, has become the preeminent builder of not only Hemi tractor pulling engines, but drag racing engines as well. Their engines have won over 40 NTPA Pro Pulling League championships, including the 2014 East Coast Pro Comp Association Drag Racing Championship. Can't find what you're looking for? Be sure to check out their large inventory at www.sassyracingengines.com or give the shop a call at 603-529-2814. Woosah. 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 Woosah.
That's right. Ooh-saw. Ooh-saw. Remember your pressure points, Captain? That's what I was doing all last week when I was out on the absolutely amazing Norwegian breakaway cruise ship. Sunny, mid-80s, gorgeous. Some of the most beautiful sand I've ever seen in my life in all of our stops. And then I come back to New Hampshire, and it's cold and rainy. Actually, it's not really cold. It's damp and rainy. Actually, I had to turn the air conditioning on yesterday. I digress. Welcome to another great edition of Wheels Up Radio, the only show dedicated to the Sportsman Drag Racer. We usually have all the news, all the views that you want and we like to talk about. Got to uh, give my amazing team, Mike, Rob, Kelly, Brother Bob Bender, a.k.a. the Sheriff, a huge shout-out and thank you and everything else. Um, They deserve it. They uh, took over the range for me last week, gave me a chance to uh, get out of Dodge with my wife and son for a week, our first real family vacation in about six and a half years. Um, you know, other than taking off for, you know, a week, or, well, not a week, a uh, a few days here, a few days there. And also, actually, I know she's not listening, but I got to give my coworker, Amy Skidmore, a gigantic, humongous, dinosaur T-Rex size thank you for uh, driving us down to New York City to get on the cruise ship and then coming down last Sunday to New York City to uh, pick us up and bring us home. Uh, That's what you call a true friend right there, and Amy is just that. So she deserves a a big thank you for that. So, like I said, the boys and the girl took over the reins last week, helped me out, and I appreciate that. Had a, uh, what I understand, uh, Mr. Carr, sir, a rousing interview with uh, Alan Reinhart last Wednesday evening. Yeah, um, um, it was, you know, a lot of fun, and good evening to you. I'm glad you had fun. Good evening to everybody uh, there listening. And, yes, the interview with Alan Reinhardt last week was so cool. We touched on a couple, like, stories, maybe, maybe personal stories that the whole world would not know. But I said I even sent Alan a tweet. I said, you know, and he said he appreciated us having him. And, you know, I said we could, I could have spent the whole two hours just, you know, one-on-one with him and stuff. It was a, it was a very, very good time. Excellent. Excellent. Now uh, it was interesting when I talked to um, Bob, when I got back, just to kind of follow up on everything. Um, I didn't realize that he's, technically not an NHRA employee. He's a contractor for NHRA. Yeah, he referenced something to that, that he's, you know, kind of brought in, I guess, to do the announcing. And I don't know all the specifics. It's not really any of my business, you know, compared to, like, what Steve Evans or Dave McClellan or Bob Fry or anybody like that does. But... He said, you know, he's willing to go anywhere, anytime to go do announcing and do whatever. And 
talked about how he got started in this sport out at his home track out by Tucson, Arizona, I believe, and it was just it was a very, very good interview. Excellent, excellent. Glad that was that was one of my goals before I left. I wanted to get you guys a a, a first class interview, and luckily the dates worked out um, to have Alan on. I obviously wish I could have been here to to speak with him, but I was having fun in the sun. So what else is new, Mike? How have you been? I haven't talked to you in well, basically two weeks. What's the good word, my friend? Well, things, I guess, are pretty well here. We're going through almost, we certainly didn't have the air conditioning today. The high temperature for the day was 48, and it's been chilly and damp and stuff all day. They're calling for east of us once you start getting into the Allegheny Mountains, over where they call the Laurel Highlands. You start getting up into the mountains, and a chance of maybe some wet snowflakes here on Monday, and I apologize for that bad word. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, winter's going to be here soon, so I guess, you know, it's not a shock, but, you know, when two weeks ago or whatever it was 80 degrees, and now they're talking possible snow in the higher elevations, an hour and a half, if that, from here. It's like, wow. That's the fact, you know. Jack! That's the fact, Jack! Especially when we have in our series, we have one more race left to go. We'll be down in Hagerstown, Maryland, November 3rd, 4th, and 5th for the annual Mason-Dixon Stock Superstock Fall Classic. It's always a great way to wrap up the year. You know, people can see their friends one more time, you know, win some pretty good money and just everything. So definitely looking forward to that. So, uh, other than that, just getting ready for that, I guess, and that's pretty much about it. Cool, cool. It was kind of funny when I came back. I mean, obviously, I knew that the season was pretty much winding down, you know, thinking about it. People are doing their travel and plans to go, all right, what do we got to do to pull this off? Because, you know, good friend of the show, um, Amanda Boychesko and her dad are um, – Rockingham, North Carolina bound uh, to see what they can do down there this weekend. Um, kind of odd. Two national events left in the season. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago we were all getting kind of fired up. You know, I I talk, and you and I have talked, you know, Rolex Sports Car Series and then Pomona, and then the whole season starts in all forms of motorsports get off and now here we are where two races left in NASCAR or in drag racing. NASCAR has I believe four races left. Uh IndyCar's finished. Not sure about the sports car series, but yeah the season's winding down for just about everybody in every form of racing coming up so some of the tracks around me, the local drag strip, some of them are in their last month of the year, one of them, their last weekend was their final race. So, yeah, for most of us here in the Northeast, I imagine our season is just about wrapping up unless you do some traveling. Yep. 
So, like I said, it'll be interesting to see on the uh, divisional side if they actually start declaring some um, some camps after this weekend with uh, Rockingham. And, of course, they're in Vegas Is this weekend. Let me just double-check the schedule. Well, the Vegas Divisional is the same weekend as Hagerstown, which is the first week of November, and then there's – so after Rockingham, we have two national events, and I think one or two divisionals left in the country. So for people in points or want to make a run at it, if you have a chance, I guess, it's time to you know, kind of get ready to go. It's happy time. So, yeah, the uh, NHRA Toyota Nationals at the Strip, and we'll talk a little bit about a little bit about that. Did you get that? That that made perfect sense to you, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the strip at Las Vegas, and like Luke like said, we'll uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what's going on with the strip in Vegas a little later on um, this weekend. So actually, have, let me click on let's pull up the entry list. I got it right here. Go right ahead, my friend. Yeah, the entry deadline for Vegas actually is over. Monday was the deadline to withdraw or enter. Uh, Every sportsman class is at or over 100%, except comp eliminator. They have 22, but the entire everything is pretty full. The pro classes, uh, Sportsman, the total quota was 328, which of course does not, there's no quota for comp eliminator, top alcohol, or the pro classes except for modified. The quota was 328, and the total entries were 478. So 150 above the quota. So pretty good turnout, I'd say, this weekend in Vegas, and it usually always does because. A lot of people, like, you know, either in the running still for a championship, sometimes people, maybe they're in the top of the points, but they can't earn points anymore, but they go to block, try to beat the guys and gals chasing them. So this race always gets a pretty good turnout. There should be a really good turnout next weekend for the Vegas Divisional, one of the bigger divisionals in the country and regionals. So... Yeah, towards the end of the year here, for if you're a fan, like I'm pretty sure most all of us are, if you live near Vegas this weekend, next weekend, and Pomona, the World Finals the week after that. So go check it out if you get a chance. That is correct. Like I said, it's, just, it, it's odd that, you know, like you said, you know, when we came back from our winter break, all right, let's get this going. And now here we are going, holy crap. Careful what we wish for. Well, the last couple of years it's kind of been like that for us. Pomona's right around the corner for the Winter Nationals. And next thing you know, Pomona, like right now, it's right around the corner, but for the World Finals. So especially right. people I've, we've talked before, if you're in points, 
I think you can probably count on one hand the number of national and divisional events in the country. So depending, most of us in the East, if you're in points, you're going to have to do a little traveling now. But, you know, I'd say if you're in points, it's time to time to get going. Buck up for the Suds, pals. As yeah. the cool people would say. As the cool people would say. So, one of the other things I've been kind of paying attention to, because uh, my buddy Tom McCarthy from um, Medford, Mass., is out in lovely England. Um, the Bloodhound SSC configuration number 11. They're going to be debuting the car the 27th in England. They're going to do a demo run, and they're eventually, let's see, I think it's the, no, I'm sorry, it's the 26th, they're debuting the car, and they're going to do what it basically amounts to like a shakedown run on it, and they're going for 1,000 miles an hour. With the same yeah, no, no. Well, say okay. those of us in drag racing were, you know, impressed and amazed that nitro cars can, in a thousand feet, can go 335, 340 miles per hour. That's barely a third of what those people are shooting for. That's just amazing to me. Yep. Let's see. Uh, well, let's get to the good stuff. It, it's designed to go 1,050 miles an hour, which breaks down to 1,540 feet per second. Let me say that one more time. 1,540 feet per second. They're estimated to go from zero to a thousand miles an hour in 55 seconds wheel speed rpm 10,000 rpm the track is 12 miles long so let's take actually you know what i'm gonna do barbados on she's she can give us some some math the current record is 763.035 miles an hour, which equates out to 1,119 feet per second. And that's 1,000 plus feet per second. How do you, how can you even grasp that? No, I heard you saying about the goal for this car is supposed to go, their goal is 1,500 feet per second. A quarter mile is 1,320. So they're going what might take you 8, 10, 12, whatever seconds to race. This car at speed will cover the whole quarter mile in a second or less. That's that's just mind-boggling to me. I know. It's amazing. It's absolutely friggin' amazing. And, of course, I mean, he outran, you know, American hero, Craig Breedlove. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, let's see. It's an 
EJ200 jet engine, 20,200, actually, I don't know what LBF means, so let's look this up. Oh, it's kind of, why do they have to do that to us? We're Americans. Might be pound feet of thrust. I believe that is, I believe that is what it is. Uh... 20,233 pound feet of thrust. Damn. It also has a hybrid rocket engine with, capable of 27,427 pound feet and an auxiliary power unit. Now, this is, I found completely interesting. The auxiliary power unit produces 800 horsepower. That's to start this monster is a 5-liter supercharged Jaguar engine. Now, I didn't say that wrong. The fuel pump. Supercharged Jaguar V8 engine. Imagine that. That's amazing. I mean, I know what they advertise. A nitro engine has two... They always advertise, you know, it's like 60 gallons per whatever fuel pumps. But you never, almost never hear of a car described as having a supercharged Jaguar motor for a fuel pump. That's, wow. (laughs) Yep. I know. It's absolutely insane. Now, people are, some people are probably asking, why are they talking about this? Well, because it's cool, and we like all types of racing. And going 1,000-something feet per second is pretty damn cool. So, um, see, what else interesting things have gone on over the past few days? A uh, good friend of Wheels Up Radio, PJ North, did, a huge, did, a, did us a favor last night. Made a phone call to uh, one of our sponsors, Power Technologies, in uh, Salem, New Hampshire. Uh, the co-owner, uh, Carrie Corey, and her husband. Uh, Carrie and her son, Chris, are huge PJ North fans. I contacted PJ the other day and said, hey, I said, what are the chances you'd be willing to do me a favor? And uh, told him what I wanted, what I was looking for, and he said, I could do that. So she got a... Uh, <laughs> and she just messaged me, and it was awesome. Um, she got a uh, phone call. Her and uh, her son Chris got to talk to him for a few minutes. So I want to say thank you to uh, to PJ North, and I want to say thank you to Carrie and her husband Brian for their um, all their help over the past year and year and a few months and they will be returning in 2018 as a sponsor so thank you very much um bj's a lot of fun and uh he he'll he'll do anything for his fans so be sure to check him out on facebook so and he's also got his new single out one last ride um you can check that out too we also we played the uh beginning of the show with that song so he's a cool dude. So it's always cool to uh, hear about somebody like that, like that reaching out to their fans and making it a little bit more personal. 
So thank you, PJ, and I'm glad you and uh, <laughs> Carrie uh, says uh, I've been sharing all his stuff, all his videos and everything. And actually, if you uh, check out, I'm gonna uh, hold on just one sec. Let me get the exact name of the song. That's a pardon me. My brain is still on vacation. Bum, bum, bum. Glory. Now, if you watch the video on YouTube, when it shows, um, oh, my God, my brain is so shot. John Pelican's old Super Gas Corvette. You look on the back. It says Wheels Up Radio right there. So, if I remember, I think it's at 52 seconds. So, well, listen, let me get my, try and get my brain back into the game here. And why don't we grab a break? And we will be right back. Are you looking for reliable auto repair? A place that genuinely is invested in your auto care experience? Southern New Hampshire Undercar has you covered, from basic auto repair and maintenance to custom exhaust work. Owner Dan Christopher has been in the auto business for over 20 years. You can look them up online at southernnewhampshireundercar.com or give them a call at 603-329-6650. Founded in 1959, S&W Performance Group is known worldwide as the leader in drag race chassis development and innovation. Their custom-built, award-winning S&W race cars are used by many of the leading NHRA and IHRA professional nostalgia and sportsman race teams. Their 27,000-square-foot headquarters houses a full line of affordable chassis kits, roll bars and roll cages, suspension parts, rollers to complete race cars, and much more. Specialized made-in-the-USA bolt-on products by S&W Race Parts, CamaroGuys.com, and MustangGuys.com are used by do-it-yourselfers and professionals around the world. S&W Rod Parts are designed for use in custom cars, pro street cars, pro touring cars, street rods, and rat rods. Specialized components are also produced for off-road trucks, and RVs. The commercial division, S&W Precision Specialties, provides water jet cutting, MIG and TIG welding, sheet metal forming, round or rectangular tube bending, and a full service machine shop that includes custom built trophies and awards. For more information, visit www.swracecars.com or call 800-523-3353. Jacob Elrod, the 2015 NHRA 990 World Champ and 2016 IHRA 990 World Champ. When I need the latest in sportsman drag racing news, I tune into Wheels Up Radio Live, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern. 
Check out Wheels Up Radio on Facebook and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Team Elrod. All right, and we are back. So like I said, the uh, Bloodhound Thrust SSC going to go for 1,000 miles an hour. Uh, absolutely amazing. It's a thousand plus feet per second. But um, getting back to the uh, original topics at hand, of course, we're talking about the great sport of drag racing. A lot of stuff has gone on over the past few weeks, past few months even. You know, the rumors have been circulating for quite a long time on, above and beyond that about everything that's going on in pro stock. Of course, the past, past three weeks or so has been even more because of, you know, the schedule changes and all these ideas that they're coming up with. And there was a meeting in Texas at the national event. Um, nothing has been officially released yet. I'm uh, being told on good authority that there should be something brought to the masses um, after Vegas, after the Vegas national event. A lot of people, we've said it, we have said it before, and a lot of people are saying it, that uh, maybe they're trying to avoid the possibility of lawsuits like what went on with the Pro Stock truck deal. So... Gonna, it, it, the next few weeks could prove to be interesting. So, yeah, we talked about it before. You know, I think NHRA and rightfully so, they're leery of any potential legal issues after they eliminated Pro Stock Truck. That's why they haven't just flat out eliminated Pro Stock Car or competition eliminator because of low car counts and everything. They don't want any similar repercussions to occur. So it's almost like in a way they're kind of letting it die on its own to avoid any litigation issues. But, you know, it's a shame. Most, all of us, you know, I'm, I'm not as old as you or as many other people, but I've been around this sport for a long time. Okay, you're 10 years older than me, so. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, I've been around for quite a while, and, you know, it's kind of a shame to see what certain things have turned into. And I know it's a different era, it's a different time and everything. Everything's a lot more expensive now. You know, I started racing. I was a little, I stopped on the turnpike in gas, which was always a little higher on the turnpike than anywhere else, was a buck twenty nine a gallon. And now when we go to Hagerstown, we'll fill up before we leave, but it's probably gonna be two seventy five or more on the turnpike now. So everything's more expensive. Parts that you have to purchase are more expensive and everything, but I know it's a different era and this and that and you could probably name 50 other things that, that are different, but it's, for most of us, I would say it's a shame of what certain things have turned into in, in drag racing. Yeah, I mean, money money rules the world. There's no way around it. 
I don't know. It's it, it's just going to be interesting how how everything plays out. Um, you know, and if if they do have something up their sleeves, I'm not saying they do. If they do, there's got to be something hidden in there somewhere, finance with as far as money goes. Yeah, knowing NHRA, I'm sure they have a plan B, a plan C, or or more. A couple years, well, 20 years now, we went to Columbus. It rained out. Columbus was like Maple Grove. It always rained at freaking Columbus. Went back the next weekend. They did not have any sportsman racing. They had down to comp eliminator, the alcohol classes, the pro classes. They brought in... Like, they got a couple wheel standers, a couple NMCA pro street cars, which was I was a big fan of back then. So, you know, I'm sure if something happened, they'd have a plan B, a plan C, a plan whatever. But, you know, some people are probably going to like it. Some are going to love it. Some are going to hate it. You know, it's like it's probably the same thing with IHRA dropping – you know, all the sportsman classes from the Pro-Am series, or I think maybe all to get, you know, dropping them all together. So some are going to be hurt by it. Some are going to be okay with it. And some it's not going to bother at all because they're strictly NHRA only racers. And what doesn't matter to them what IHRA does or does not do. So uh, suppose it's probably kind of the similar things with whatever NHRA decides to do. You know, a lot of people probably think, well, that's pro stock. I don't run pro stock, so it doesn't affect me, but you always have to worry sometimes if trickle-down possibly couldn't happen. Oh, absolutely. You know, it was was funny. Kelly and I were flipping through some posts the other day on um, Facebook, just looking at some random stuff and seeing the the pieces and parts that are starting to pop up for sale. And I I took a picture of one particular thing and saved it and sent it to um, a friend of ours and said, explain these to me. And he said, told me all about them and that the, the price, they were $10,000 for these particular parts. And there was only two of them. And it was just like, holy crap. You know, and then people complain about, you know, the cost of racing has gone so high as they roll in. And, again, we've said this before, you know, with their half a million dollar RV and stacker trailer and complain about the cost of racing. And we've talked before, I think I mentioned before on the show, that sometimes the cost of racing is kind of self-inflicted in a way. And I know I won't name any names, but back when I first started getting into stock and super stock racing in the mid-late 90s, back before the motorhomes and that kind of stuff, certain, certain people had a dually pickup or whatever and you knew it when you saw it driving 
to or from a restaurant or a motel because you, you knew their truck. And a couple people that were friends, they always stayed at the same hotel, usually ate at the same restaurants. They were always parked in the parking lot of a motel that was probably, even back then, close to $100 a night. We were staying at, you know, $40 Super 8, but you see the same vehicles parked in the parking lot of a restaurant where it's back then was probably, you know, $15, $20 a meal per person. And I saw, you know, three, four trucks parked side by side in the parking lot and stuff. So, you know, certain. I went back when I used to race, I was talking to a friend of mine and said about he said about how expensive it was i said well where'd you stay where'd you eat and he told me i said well that's you know i didn't spend half in hotels and restaurants last weekend and i was at the same race i said i didn't spend half as much as you did and if you have the money to do something you know i'm not gonna judge i'm not gonna you know if you have the money you know by all means spend it how you want but even to this day you know a Super 8 in a Denny's or a mom and pop diner on the corner is good with me. I don't. I love Texas Roadhouse, but I'm not going to eat there five times a week. So you right. know, a lot of times, sometimes expenses are self-inflicted in a way. But yeah, it's just you know everything is cyclical, I guess. And it was interesting because I was talking with some people about some plans that I was going to try and do next year. And they're like, well, the problem is, is that you're going to look like the, the bastard child. If you, if you sleep in a tent, you know, if you do this, if you do that, and where at least if you're staying at a hotel, you're kind of out of sight and, people can't sit there and judge you, which I I found it interesting. I understand exactly what he was talking about, but I just find it, excuse me, interesting. Well, you know, you and I and probably everybody, we all know a person or persons. They're going to judge no matter what, just that's just kind of how they are and different stuff. And, um, you know, everything is, you know, I meant to, should have asked you that, asked you this earlier in the summer, but what, like an av- a Super 8 or any motels in your area, you're not far from either Epping or the NASCAR track in New Hampshire, correct? Yeah, uh, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, the, the NASCAR track's 15 minutes from my house, and, um, Uh, yeah, the total brain fart there. Like Sorry. 45 New, minutes, New right? England Dragway is about 45 minutes from my house. I was going to say, next year, just for the heck of it, like what would a hotel around New Hampshire Speedway, the NASCAR track, what would a hotel or motel cost now versus the weekend of a NASCAR race? I know a couple of years ago somebody made a post on I think it was class racer that they went to Gainesville for a divisional early in the year, went back a month later for the national event and the rooms had quadrupled four times as much for the national event 
it was basically like price gouging and stuff. So I just, now I know obviously I said about the cost of everything to go is self-inflicted. That's nobody's fault. You know, the motels are going to do it. They know a big race is happening and they're going to, Ooh, here's a chance to make some money. You know, we went to uh, Maple Grove three times a year back when I was just a spectator. We paid this little locally owned motel with a national chain or nothing. Um, for the points meet, the divisional race in the, the Dutch Classic, they were $50 a night plus tax. The national event was $70, $75 because it's a big event going on. So they're going to raise the prices a bit, which, you know, I don't, it sucks to pay that, but I can't blame them. They got to make money too. But I was just kind of wondering, you know, if like around where you live, around the NASCAR track or around New uh, Epping, what a hotel costs on a normal weekend versus a big, bigger race weekend. Around here for New Hampshire Motor Speedway, you're looking at the most high-end hotel right immediately close to me is the Courtyard by Marriott. Um, there's Holiday Inn. There's a couple um, residents in, you know, your basic stuff like Super 8, Motel 6, things like that. Um, they're, you know, typically 50 to 100 bucks a night. You know, approximately. I mean, the the residents in in the courtyard probably a little bit more, probably hundred hundred fifty normally. And I've heard talk that even some of the lower end hotels, again, you know, the Motel Six type stuff, Super Eight style, um, two hundred plus a night race time. The thing with New England Dragway is that it's twenty minutes from the ocean. So any hotels you get there are normally kind of pricey anyways, but they're obviously going to go up a little bit more um, come the national event. There were people that were staying close to the water. Like I know um, the four sisters, uh, Brittany and Courtney, were staying right down on Hampton Beach at a um, nice hotel there. And there were other people staying, you know, an hour or so away. A couple of years ago, I helped Angelo DiTacco, um get a hotel in Londonderry, New Hampshire, which is eh, 30-ish minutes away from the track, not near the ocean or anything. And I think he ended up paying about $100 a night, maybe, maybe just a tiny bit more. But, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, Around here, the rooms get the ever-living crap gouged out of them. Um, New England Dragway, like I said, it's kind of kind of a toughie, only because of its proximity to the ocean. So a lot of those hotels are already kind of on the high end. And then once, of course, they find out the race is coming, they jack it up even more. So I imagine something like that. I imagine a hotel costs more in... June or July than it would say now. It's oh, not absolutely. in season. They're, all of them are on along the ocean or on um, you know the winter prices now. 
Yeah, and sometimes, you know, we had this Super 8. We stay, that's where we stay when we go to Keystone. You know, the track isn't that far from us, but, you know, we always got a room down there for a two-day race because who wants, it's about an hour and a half drive, give or take. You know, who wants to uh, get home at 2 in the morning maybe and have to get up and leave at 6 in the morning? You're almost worth it to spend $80 or something on a hotel to get an extra two whatever hours of sleep to not do that. And, you know, I always try to look to see what the best prices are. And down around the track at Keystone, it's – an hour or so from Pittsburgh, but there's not a ton of hotels. There's about, I don't know, seven or eight within maybe 10, 15 minutes one way or the other. But I, I imagine up where you're at, you're saying, you know, by the ocean and especially come summertime, there's probably a lot of hotels up around there. Oh, exactly. I mean, it's, you know, Tourist Central, and I just actually got a message that um, there's a campground about six or seven miles from New Hampshire Motor Speedway, again, the NASCAR track, um, called Cascade Park, and this is not, not even a slightest exaggeration, to camp there for Brace, you quite literally have to book uh, years in advance, and you're going to pay wow. out the backside either way. Yeah, and you pay out the backside. I remember going there when I worked for AAA. Somebody was some guys were seven shades of drunk, and somehow they managed to flip their small camper trailer over. Don't ask me how they did it. But I had to go. I had to go there one to unlock a car, and I refused to do it because the woman was falling down drunk. And then, luckily, I got this call right then and there about this RV, and I was able to write it back up with the flatbed truck. <laughs> just kind of looked around there and go, "This just is not my scene." I guess it just, you know, takes all kinds. And, you know, I've read, I have a book that I read. It's about the 101 greatest NASCAR debates. It talked about best tracks to tailgate and do different things and said, you know, reading some of these stories, I'm like, I think we all know, you know, depending on the racing series or whatever, some people like to drink. You know, I'm not a huge drinker. Maybe twice a month I drink. I don't mind once in a while. You know, we went to Del Mar, Delaware, for the either the divisional race or the national open. You know, I could walk probably a couple hundred feet away from the hotel we were staying at. There was a sports bar slash restaurant and a water racers. A lot of us ended up going there either for dinner or after dinner and just have a couple beers, shoot some pool, do do whatever. And so I guess, you know, maybe the guy you had to help, maybe he partook a little too much or too hard. <laughs> I would say that is it, putting it mildly.
Uh, so, and I don't know how long you work that job, but depending on where you go, especially on race weekends, or not even race weekends, but I'm sure you could probably fill a show with some of the funny and stupid and stories that you had to encounter. Oh, oh you have no idea. And then when <laughs> I worked for um, the state of New Hampshire, um, because we did all the traffic control stuff there. I just got invaded. Hello, wife. <laughs> um, yeah, without a doubt, I could. Without a doubt. So, let's do this. Why don't we, as soon as I find the one I want, take a break, and we will be right back. Just like drag racing, it's all about having the power you need when you need it. It's the same for your business. You need power to keep the lights on and business humming. That's where Power Technologies Electrical Contractors comes in. Your single source electrical contractor for all your industrial, commercial, retail, and fire alarm needs. Proudly serving New Hampshire, Massachusetts, and Maine, PowerTech has the staff and the equipment to get your project done on time and on budget. It's all about the power at Power Technologies Electrical Contractors. Call them at 603-898-4223. That's 603-898-4223. Or check them out online at powertechnh.com. songs. I found this one a couple weeks ago and I just this is the first time I played it. And <laughs> I drive I drive people crazy with these crazy songs that I tend to find. So I'm gonna just indulge myself for a minute and play this. What's going on? Bam, bam, bing, 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 bing,
I'll stop torturing you. Hey, I love that song. That's uh, Crazy Frog is the artist, if you want to call it that. And that's him doing the, he does different songs. And I think that's, that's the thing from the, was it from the Eddie Murphy one movie or something? Uh, it's the uh, composer was Jan Hammer. Well, I think he did, I think he did the original Miami Vice intro song. So showing my age, saying that show's name. Uh, did you see the thing I tagged you in on Facebook just a few minutes ago, Chris? Yes. Would you be so kind as to expound upon said tagging? Yes, uh, it'd be, I guess, two weeks ago now, NHRA had a national open at Indianapolis Raceway Park. It's kind of like the Dutch Classic in a way. A lot of people go there to set records or get a great point or both. And uh, Jeff Turk had a drag pack Dodge. I'm not sure which motor he had in the car. When at 8.029, at 100, almost 170 and a half miles per hour. 8.02 is the quickest run ever in stock eliminator. And a couple cars have gone 170 miles per hour, but kind of wish we had Bob on. If he's on next week, maybe like to talk to him about that or something. You know, he was back from the junior stock days in the early mid-70s, but... I have a hard time almost putting, you know, we know that David Barton and several other cars are pushing to be the first seven-second stalker. And that just, to me, it amazes me. You know, it wasn't, it was 11, I guess about 16 years ago now that the first nine-second stalker one happened 23 years to the day after the first 11-second stalker run, and now we're talking about possible couple cars knocking on the door of seven seconds for a stalker. I'm kind of making the air quotes and saying stalker, but that's just amazing. It is, and it, you know, a lot of people t- the the big thing that we both hear and we've heard a lot of people talking about it that run I don't want to say slower but maybe a little bit more traditional what they consider to be traditional style stock eliminator cars is um, you know let's, let's, let's just use like a 12 or 13 second car as an example and you have you know a sub 7 second Stock eliminator car, be it a drag pack, copo, cobajet, whatever, um, come ripping at you on a nine-inch tire. And a lot of people say the same thing, and we've both heard guests on the show say this. What if things happen? Yeah, you never know. And I had a front-wheel drive stalker. Uh, the car that Bob Bender's wife, Penny, has driven a few times. No, I set a couple of national records in it, so I guess it was the quickest slow car or the slowest quick car, however you want to define it. My best run was 17.46 seconds at Hagerstown. 
Billy Knees, the car owner, set the record at Del Mar, 17.30 seconds. When I raced that car, it was a magnet for A, B, C, and D stalkers that were at the time probably mid-tens. So, you know, I can't imagine getting chased by a Don Fazell or a David Barton or a car going 820 you know, over two seconds quicker than any car that I ever raced in stock eliminator. Uh, yeah, and if something, God forbid, if something happens, you know, if one of them cars coming at me at, you know, 3,400 pounds, whatever, loses a tire or does something and hits me, I can't say my chances of walking away were really all that great. You know, I had a race years ago, my home track, uh, Quaker City Motorsports Park, on Wednesday night, they had the street legal night. I used to run my Camaro in that, and sometimes I'd double enter. I took my stalker out there one time, ran it in a class called Modified. It was a class for quote-unquote real race cars to run while they had the street legal cars going on, and I ran the Sunbird there one night against a dragster, and nothing, you know, anything happened. But, boy, he went flying by me 89 miles per hour faster than me. And, yes, I had a better light. I had the better light. I broke out by 053, ran out by 11,000. So I guess I had as much room as you could hope for, I guess, for 89 miles per hour difference, but I lost, but it just went blowing by me, and now I'd be racing against stalkers that were actually would be quicker than what that dragster was that night. You know, it's amazing, and, you know, you almost you don't want to be worst-case scenario, but you do kind of have to think, what if something happens? What if the faster car loses an oil line or will get under the tires or whatever and he comes through and hits you when I had that sunbird versus what these cars are going now that's about 85 miles per hour faster than me and what if I get into a or got into a stock super stock combo race against the super stalker uh, EB and Brett Candies uh, are the sons of the legendary Paul Candies of Candies and Hughes funny car fame. They have a couple of Cobra Jets, and one of them has been in the sevens multiple times in Superstock at 176, I want to say, miles per hour. But, you know, imagine running one of those cars in a combo race like the races that I do. You know, it's just. It almost makes you kind of. I never thought that while I was racing, but looking at it now, long retired, but you know, you almost have to kind of think, well, what if? What if something right. bad happens at the finish line? I mean, I never thought that way while racing because I, you know, you know, like some people say, if I'm gonna, God forbid, if I die, I want to die doing what I love, but I never had that thought while racing, but now looking at it, you know, I'm 
when I raced, a really quick stalker on a given day was maybe 10.20, 10.30, and now the cars are going two seconds quicker, and there's not a lot of slower front-wheel drive cars, thank goodness, or even T-U-V-W stalkers, but, you know, just kind of makes you wonder what would happen, you know, what if. Right, right. And also on the subject of what if, we all heard a couple weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was, that Strip in Vegas is going four-wide. There was an article that was making the rounds on Facebook today. Um, the consensus of the comments were that it sucks. Now, neither of us have ever been to a live four-wide race, so in reality, we can't pass judgment on it other than what we've seen on TV. But I'm going to guess and say since probably 90-something percent of the comments were in the negative, that it's what a lot of racing forms of pro racing are turning into. Um, it's all about the money. Oh, it's all about that. In its case, you know, you got to make, I guess, the fans happy because they pretty much pay a lot of the bills. You know, all those fans coming in at forty, fifty, sixty dollars a pop. You know, I had a friend of mine. He and his wife went up to Norwalk a few years ago on Sunday. It was fifty-five dollars a piece, which I know <clears throat> we got on the subject on Facebook a couple years ago. I uh, Patsy Hill that does the great live from threads at the different races she goes to took a picture of the concession stand menu at Gainesville, the Gator Nationals a few years ago. And I, I think I showed it to you, Chris, that, um, a family of four, if they each went and got a hamburger, a fry and a medium soft drink was $64 for a family of four. So if you go multiple days, if you have multiple meals per day, how much money is it going to cost? And somebody said it's not really out of line if you look at a a football game, a baseball game, if you go to a concert or anything. So I guess maybe in that regard it's not so bad. But, you know, we always took a grill when, when I raced, you know, a little gas grill for – cook burgers or hot dogs or whatever on, so save some money that way. But, you know, gosh damn, you know, like we just talked before about the cost of money of to racers. You know, the fans, you know, some fans probably are well-heeled, I guess, but, you know, I can't speak for you. It's none of my business. But how much, you know, the prices like that, you know, how much would it cost you, Tanya, and Elijah to go to Epping or for the national event for multiple days and have to eat multiple meals per day? You know, are you going to have to take out a loan for the for the so, pay for the weekend? Well, hold, hold that thought for just one second. I'm looking something up here. I'm going to use the 
national event at Vegas this weekend as the example. But I'm, I'm going to throw out a random number and say probably somewhere in the neighborhood of $500. Yeah, it's not, you know. Now, suddenly, like, right, you and your family went on a, a cruise last week, and you obviously know what the costs were, but, you know, you said your first vacation in how long? Six and a half years. Okay, so something like that, it's not something you and Tanya and Elijah do multiple times a year, every year. So I guess once in a great while isn't all that bad, but when you look at it, you know, just the cost to whether it's a racer, a fan, a whoever, you know, definitely not cheap. Oh, hell no. No, I mean, we... um We spent a fair amount of money, but we had a great time. But it was also, like I said, you know, six and a half um, years since we've had a real vacation. Yeah, we went, you know, when I used to race, my busiest weekend, 2003, was 18 weekends a year, or 18 weekends that year. From the end of March until Hagerstown in November, we didn't go to Orlando that year in December. But, you know, 18 weekends in like a roughly a seven or so eight-month stretch. And I had some, when if I was off on a Wednesday or a Friday or Saturday, I was out Quaker City racing, but, you know, I'd pretty sure I couldn't, I know I couldn't do that much now. I could still go racing if I was still racing. Just would have to, you know, really watch, you know, what you spend it on and this and that, but it's not a not a cheap sport anymore, and you're seeing that, and I know Mom and I talked about it once in a while. You look, you don't you look at the qualifying sheets from certain races, and there are people that used to race when I raced, and you hardly ever you or seldom see their name on a qualifying sheet. They don't go like they used to, and, you know, I don't know what the circumstances are, and it's none of my business, honestly, but it makes you wonder if a, when you know somebody that used to go, like I did, you know, 12, 15, whatever weekends a year, and now they're three or four tops. You know, did they choose to cut back? Did they were they forced to cut back due to budget reasons or something? It's just you know, it's one of those things you really look at and say, you know, what can we do possibly to make this better? You know, we had uh, Alan Reinhardt on last week and he said he's not one, and I always felt this way too. He said I'm not one to bitch about a problem unless I have a solution for said problem. And I'm kind of the same way, but certain things like costs or this and that, it makes, you know, I know there's an issue, but I really don't know what we could do to, you know, to fix it. Well, here's just as an example. Again, um, Carrie and Brian Corey, uh, the owners of PowerTech, 
She just messaged me and she said, as a racer of the national event at Epping, it costs us with their own food, mind you, about $1,400. And that's her and her husband racing. He races top dragster. She races super street and maybe a a little bit more, you know, I'm going to guess maybe a couple hundred bucks more depending on fuel costs. If they're, if they start to to go rounds. So, I mean, I think you could be, you could fairly call it around two grand if they make a few, if they go a few rounds. Yeah, because there's, you know, racing fuel. Last time I bought racing fuel, I used to use VP C11, C12 for the other car. And it was, I want to say, $7 a gallon 12 years ago. So, when I imagine to, you know, Miss Corey, if you're listening, I don't know, I'm guessing, I don't know what fuel you guys use in your cars. It's probably a hell of a lot more than $7 a gallon now. So, if you go around, yeah, you're spending more on racing fuel. There's the wear and tear on the car. Like, I know, I think it was... um, it was a top fuel or funny car crew chief a few years ago, and I know none of us run nitro, but I'm just going to throw some, I'm going to kind of round numbers off. If it's, say, you know, $1,000 for a set of bearings, nitro motor, it's probably more than that, but just for the sake of the argument, $1,000, and they get four runs out of a set of bearings, and they got to change them whether they're, they look good, look bad, or not. So that's $250 they're using per run in bearing the wear on it, not counting if they even break stuff, and they add up all the other parts in their motor. Now, obviously, a nitro motor is a lot different animal than what most of us do or did, but, you know, you got to add up that, and I don't think a lot of people really consider that. You know, if you're whatever part on your motor only get so many runs and it's so much money, then you realize after, say, 40, 50 runs, whatever, you got to replace it. And that's, you know, so there's that wear and tear in going rounds also that I don't think a lot of people really consider that much. Right. Um, they buy it by the drum, she said. She says she wishes it was $7 a gallon. Not even close. Uh, but they get it by the drum from Eastern VP Race Fuels. Uh, let's see. And they had to buy new tires for the truck. Uh, people love the truck. Uh, roughly another eight or $900 because they were having an issue with tires. And they replaced them with Mickey's. So, you know, for one event, you're already over two grand. You know, well on your way to probably a three thousand dollar weekend. Yeah, exactly. And are they from up New Hampshire way? Yeah, they're about forty five minutes south of me, right on the Mass New Hampshire line. Okay, so they're spending that much money to go to Epping. Now imagine, you know, going to Maple Grove or English Town or Cecil County or If they go to Dinwiddie, you know, everything's multiplied. You know, all the costs that they had plus, you know, the towing costs to get to and from, you know, 
45 minutes to Epping versus, I don't know, you went to Cecil County. How far were you from Cecil? Eight hours? Uh, well, actually, we, we yeah, we're, what, with traffic and crap, we were probably nine hours. I mean, and again, her and her husband hit all the divisionals in Division One, and also brought their boys, um, junior dragsters, along with them. So then you have, you know, the cost of the juniors, which is, you know, not that there isn't any cost, but it's a lot less than what the trucks, the truck and the um, dragster cost to run. So I mean, uh, then they also had they had problems with their with their with their RV. Um, you know, it all adds up very fast. I don't even think she'd want to, and I'm sure she'll respond because I know she's listening. She probably doesn't even want to look at the receipts from what they spent this year. Well, getting back to the Sunbird that I used to drive for Billy Nees, we stock eliminator require has not spec fuel, but there's certain fuels that are allowed. It's leaded racing fuel only. But Billy told me the car would be it would actually run quicker on you know ninety three or eighty nine octane pump gas. So if I still had that car and still raced, but just ran it my local track, Quaker City, or some of the tracks around here, I would run regular pump gas. It goes quicker, and it's a heck of a lot cheaper to buy gas for two fifty three dollars a gallon versus, like I said, I was paying, last time I bought racing fuel, I want to say it was seven-something maybe a gallon for VP C12 fuel, and so if I was still racing and just bracket racing, not doing any of the NHRA, IHRA things where fuel check was not an issue, yeah, you're damn right I'm going to run pump gas because it's a hell of a lot cheaper, $5 or more cheaper per gallon to get something I can go right up the street and get. The place I used to buy it, uh, Jenkins Race Parts, I used to sponsor and help Mike Walter, the Superstock Racer. They're out by Quaker City. He used to pump it out of, they had 55-gallon drums, but they pump it out of that into your five-gallon, you know, plastic jug. You could buy five-gallon or ten-gallon sealed drums, but it'd be a hell of a lot cheaper if I were still racing just to run pump gas in it. And Billy said, he didn't say exactly how much quicker. He probably never tested it, but, yeah, if, if I can get away with $5 cheaper a gallon and it's faster, you're damn right I'm going to run, run, run pump gas in in my race car. Right. Well, it's, you know, you t- you see a lot of people talking about the E85, and I'll, I'll admit the chemistry behind, you know, race gas or gas in general is above and beyond my abilities to comprehend. But um, it's just, it's an interesting thing to hear the differences of what people like. Some people think, oh, I drive a race car, so I got to run race gas. Versus, you know, okay, let's be realistic. I can go to the Irving station and throw 10 gallons worth of 
93 octane in it get the same results and only spend $30 and go to the track buy 10 gallons of VP you know or whatever race gas at uh, let's just go with $15 a gallon you know and you're spending $150 yeah, exactly. And, you know, when I, my daily driver at one time was a 95 Camaro LT1 motor, and you had to run, it was recommended to run 93, you know, high octane gas. But this is back when regular pump gas was a buck 10, buck 20 a gallon. So I was paying maybe $1.40, $1.50, if that, per gallon. So it was, everything was, I mean, we were talking about different ears and stuff. It's just, you know, everything was cheaper back then, and I'm only talking, you know, 12, 15 years ago. You know, I some of these things telling stories about this and that said, you know, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not an old-timer by any means, but I've been around for a while and just, you know, we used to go to the races. Uh, the first couple times we went to Maple Grove, it was, Buffalo, you get on at mile marker 13, get off for the track at Maple Grove at mile marker 282 or 288. It was $6 one way in tolls. A couple years ago, I looked at the Pennsylvania Turnpike website. They had a thing you could put, if you were a class, whatever class your vehicle was, if you get on this exit, you get off at that exit, here's what the cost is. I know every year the Pennsylvania Turnpike tolls go up in January, but they've gone up a couple times since then, and it was $104 one way to go to Maple Holy Grove crap. now. So wow. it'd be more to go to English Town or Atco or Cecil or... Well, see, so I maybe could get off at Breezewood and go that way, but still, you know, yeah, the whole it's crazy now. All right, so backing up a little bit to the spectator side of life, again, using this coming weekend's Toyota Nationals at Vegas on Saturday, tickets start at $66 a person. On Friday, they started at $17 a person. General admission. Now, let's go. I'm going to back up just a little bit. I want to go see. Give me just one second because it's slower than death because for whatever reason, they use Ticketmaster. Well, I remember we went to Indy one year, 2001, to spectate, never knowing I'd be back there a year later racing. But the price for Wednesday, which at Indy, there's no pros, no alcohol cars. It's true sportsman racing only. It was $10 a person, and then by the time you got to, we only went for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and think half a Saturday, but your $10 on Wednesday, and by the time you got to the weekend and Monday, it was probably 
50, well, back then, maybe $40, $50. So I always say if you're a fan, if you can get, if you have a friend that's racing, he can get you a a racer's pass. It's like back then was $85 for that for the weekend versus paying, you know, $40 this day, 45 and so add them all up. Was a lot cheaper. I tell people if you're a fan, if you have a friend that's in racing, that that's racing at the event, he can get you probably a racer's pass and stuff. So that's always my highest recommendation. If you're if you're a fan, but you have friends that race, get a ticket through them. You know, go the first day of the week. Pay your ten dollars or whatever for Thursday at a regular national event. Go, you know, go find him, have him go to the registration trailer, get two tickets or three, whatever, for you, and do it that way. Hell of a lot cheaper. All right. Tickets start on Sunday. Again, this is for the national event in Vegas at $66. The high-end seats are... $87 $87 a piece. So, with that being said, let me get my trusty pen and paper out. And, and I know get... something about, there's usually a thing on those tickets if it's, if the person is so many years old or younger, it's a reduced price, but, you know, adding 13 up for, years like, and o- 13 years and older. So it's that would okay. be third, that would be twelve and under. I didn't do that part. I'm just basing I'm basing it off off the three of us because Elijah is fourteen. Okay, that's so what I was going to ask. Back if up he was for still a up to... So seventy six. Come on, pen. Seventy six times three for Sunday. And I think I said it was 66 on Saturday. I'm going to just look to make sure. And I'm sure ticket. I know Ticketmaster charges you some absolutely stupid fee. And, of course, they don't tell you what it is until you enter credit card information, which obviously I'm not doing. So Friday starts at 36 times 3. Let me back up one more time. Let's do Saturday. Do, 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 do. Dollars. So. One fifty. 125 155 158 164 Sorry I know I'm I I do my math out loud sorry 
So tickets alone for all three days, if I were to go, just tickets, $510. Probably figure over the course of three days, let's go with $200 probably for food. Sounds fair, doesn't it? Three people, three days. Like I said, it was a couple of years ago. Was for that was for a family of four, was sixty four dollars per meal. So for three of you, you know, forty to fifty, I would say per meal. If you eat twice, about a hundred dollars a day at least. Depending, I'm sure prices aren't cheap now. And at a place like Vegas, I imagine it's even higher than a normal race, I'd say. But, you know, just without even getting too particular, you know, between tickets, meals, hotel, and everything else, and, like, somebody like you, obviously, you're probably flying out to Vegas, not driving. So, you know, how much money are you guys, anybody from the East, going to spend to go to Vegas? The answer well, is. Well, you know the price of the hotel. The, the, oh, the yeah, a buttload of cash is going to get dropped for three yes. days worth of racing. So I uh, I have was just told two hundred and fifty five dollars if you have a friend who can get you tickets. Uh three hundred and thirty for restricted crew. Ooh. Ouch. So when I went Damn. to last time I went to Indy the race was two thousand four. I forget what it cost. You know, we got each driver was given two restricted access stickers. I only had my mother and my father, so that's all I needed was two. I don't remember if it was Eighty-five or ninety-five dollars per ticket back then, which was still, if I said, if you're a spectator, but you have a friend that's racing, they can get you tickets. It'd be a hell of a lot cheaper to get a racer's pass rather than pay your regular thing at the ticket gate every day. It'd be a hell of a lot cheaper to buy a racer's pass from a friend if you have one that's racing there that weekend. All right, $110 for each person for the whole weekend for a restricted crew. So she, I didn't realize she used, until she just told me, um, three of us as the example. Now it's, so 100, 110 bucks a person. Yeah, that's, that's kind of crazy. Now, I said, like, you know, I don't know if, if you get media or, or any kind of credentials when you go to Epping for the National. I'm sure you have plenty of friends that would be willing to get you a racer's pass, you and Tanya and Elijah, when you go to Epping. You know, I'm sure you have a lot of friends up that way. But, you know, we talk all the time about, you know, how expensive it is to race. But even for, like, you and your family, it's, yeah, you don't have to race car. You don't have a lot of the costs that we do, but you still have at the same time just as much of an expense in other ways. 
Hold on just a second. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the one bonus part is I only live, again, 45 minutes away, so I don't need a hotel. I don't need, you know, I don't, for the most part, I can find food. I always get told by my fr- my friends, the Colteras and everybody else, that if they see me buying food, they're going to smack me upside the head and uh, take my wallet away. So... I think we're going to have a special co-host for the last half hour. My, my, the voice of information for tonight's show, I think, is going to join us. Let's see. That's always like you know information. We're you and I, Chris. When it comes to the, we're all about that. Oh, absolutely. I, I, and kind of and back it up just a tiny bit going to the the media stuff the national events for me is next to impossible to get a media pass all right here here is our our media our our information source for the last hour and a half is now going to join us and she's going to she's going to take over and tell us everything we ever wanted to know and never dared to ask so go ahead and please welcome Carrie Corey Hello how are you Good how you doing Hi, Carrie? Carrie So I wanted to kind of clarify cuz I was trying to do this by text and it wasn't really working So <laughs> I I can get friends in for the weekend for $85, like you were saying, without, without any restriction. So basically, they would be able to come in, watch racing from the stands, walk around the pits and do that. If I wanted to have you come in as one of my crew members, you know, to walk right up to the line with me, sign your life away on my waiver, it goes up to $110. And I'm only allowed a certain amount of those tickets. The, yeah, the, I think the, when I the limited amount, the limited amount I knew about, I just I was never a hundred percent sure um, exactly on the cost. And then once you like when you clarified when you were talking to me, right, that it was per person, yeah. So, good, Mike. I yeah, cut you off. Definitely, uh, it definitely is pretty pricey to, uh, you know, to start traveling, and you know, you think about like even when when. Brian and Dan went down to No Mercy in Georgia. That wasn't even an NHRA event. And Dan paid for his tickets. I have no idea what his entry was. I think it was something like seven hundred and something dollars to enter No Mercy. And then it was like twelve hundred dollars of fuel just to drive down there. Right. Because well, they took our rig. That was gonna that was gonna be my next question. Did they take the renegade or did they take his Yes, they took the Renegade because and our our stacker because he wanted to, we had there was six of them staying in the motorhome and they all wanted to be able to have their own scooter and golf cart so they took Dan's car, uh, two golf carts and like four scooters. <laughs> Parking next to Hyatt at the racetrack, he needs a, he needs yeah. three trailers just to haul the damn scooters and golf carts. <laughs> you know, and we don't and. Like there's a lot of people that will go to the track, you know, they'll, they'll live on burgers, dogs. We race so much. We don't, we like down at the national event, we get King crab and we're cooking 20 pounds of King crab crab right out in the road. 
Matt Hagen right. walked by the next morning and looked in our pot and was like, oh, what's in there? <laughs> I said, sorry, you had to be here last night. <laughs> That's well, it's, you know, and it's like the big lobster cookout that gets done at the divisional up here, you know, on um, oh, the, the Friday DAD night. Does. Yeah. Yep. So. So if you, so, yeah, if we, you go to a divisional in Division One and certain people are there, you will not want for food at all. Well, I know so. that when Brian loans comes up to our track, I feed him. And I've right. been told, so when I used to feed Brian, it was, you know, I would go up there with just a plate of food and I would give it to him. And then Dave Moan was like, uh, 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 um, um, excuse me. <laughs> you know, so now, so now I started bringing up bigger plates of food and started feeding them. And then Alan, Alan Reinhardt's like, um, hello? So now I just bring up a ton of food, and I'm like, here you go. Make sure you share. Right. No fighting amongst yourselves, boys. Exactly. That's hilarious. So let's let's kind of change subjects a little bit. We'll go away from the, the expense of traveling to you had a breakout year in all reality. I, I, I'm, I like to think that. <laughs> I think I did pretty good this year. I'm, I'm pretty – pretty proud of myself. I'm patting myself on the back a little. Yeah, I mean, you you really got situated and comfortable in the truck, figured out the tire problems, got that handled, yep. um, and you walked away with a Wally in your first ever divisional win. I did. That was my first ever win at anything. Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good start. It is. So I know you guys are starting to tear everything down. What's have you put together a rough idea of what you guys want to do next year? Uh, we're not done yet. Brian's leaving tomorrow for um, for. Uh, oh, is he going to yep. Darlington? He, well, he's going to Darlington, and he's also going to the divisional. He's going to Rockingham. Oh, at Rockingham. Okay, cool. I am not. I am not. My. Uh, my water pump, which I was having issues with at Englishtown when I won, finally died at, at Lebanon Valley <laughs> last weekend. There, there wasn't a hammer big enough that wasn't going to get that water pump to work again. Oh, really? So the truck is done. My motor is actually in. So I have a brand new motor for next year. I'm finally going to get some body work done on the truck. Brian Bell's going to do some body work and and finally paint my hood. Um, oh, I kind of like the black carbon fiber on the, on the blue. Well, it's primer right now. Uh, um, it, was gray, it was gray primer for a while, and then they painted it black for this season. So I'm finally going to get some paint next year, maybe. <laughs> you know, is it going to be pink? One, well, I would, no, it's not going to be pink. No, we're all kind of going with the blue and black theme. We're kind of sticking with that. Even the cool. kids want to stay with that. Yeah. So I'm finally getting some of my own brand new stuff. Whereas, you know, I think when I first started racing, Brian kind of was hesitant to, to, to do anything as far as new stuff. Cause he was, 
you know, that, that concern, well, is she going to like it? Is she going to do well? Is it, is it going to be worth it? So now I think that I've, you know, I, I think I've proved myself this year that I really is what I want to do. And, and, and he's finally saying, okay, well, we'll, we'll do something new for her. Cause you know, I usually get everybody else's leftover crap. <laughs> I don't want everybody's awesome. leftover crap anymore. <laughs> you want your own crap. I want my own crap. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian's That's got something awesome. in the works for his dragster, which I am not at liberty to talk about. Da, da, um, da, da. His his motor is for sale. His nine degree that is it within this year is for sale. <laughs> so if anyone's looking for a motor, we have one. Contact me on Facebook cool. if anybody's looking for a motor. There you go. And we shared the but ad high, already. So. High sixes. High sixes, naturally aspirated. Yep. I can't remember. Did he, he sprayed that, right? He did. He did when he had to. You know, not so what I guess it all depends on the, time, the field. I, I mean, there right. were some fields this year. Maple Grove was so fast this year. I mean, there were there were top dragster fields that the bumps were like 640. I mean, it was nuts. Like the the bumps this year in top dragster and top sportsmen were so low, and the fields had so many cars in them. It was a very difficult year for those two classes. Uh, it seemed it seemed like a lot this year. We were hearing that Division Three, which apparently is, you know, they've consistently had the fastest class of uh, top drags or top sportsmen really seemed to step it up this year and kind of set those two classes on their ears. Yeah, it was, it's super fast. You know, you go, you go to a, you know, for English town, for instance, you know, he was playing pretty much all he could and he barely made it. Like it was, it was tough to make it in all the class in, in every field this year. He had a really tough time. And I just said to him, I'm glad I run a field that it's all run because I, I I don't know if I could have that kind of pressure. Like the pressure he was under to keep his dragster in the field and then to to be, you know, trying to get the truck dialed in for me as close as possible because he, you know, he does all the computer work. And then to have the juniors right. along with it and we're doing like round robin, like there was no downtime. It was constant move, constant it was like, you know, from 8 o'clock in the morning until you know, curfew, we were go, 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 and then we would just crash. We were exhausted right. by the end of the day. So, let me ask you this. With this being the first year that the juniors were included in the, on the almost all the divisionals, yep. would you call it a win or would you call it a, yeah, it's, it's okay but it needs a little work? So I think I think it was a good thing. We had uh, we had some really good junior numbers, and there was um, direct cabinet sales sponsored, and there was a whole bunch of us parents that did sponsor to have those run, including us, including Dan, and some other. Um, there were some other companies, the Millers. Uh, we all chipped in. Uh, Vince Mussolino. We all chipped in, you know, to get these juniors running. I think though, if, if now that we know that we can get the car counts, I think it would really be good to have some sort of point system for those juniors 
so they feel like they're going towards something. Because, right, like, for instance, this year, you know, we're bringing them to divisionals. They missed points races at home. So now at home they're not going for points. They're traveling. They're not going for points. What's what's the point? Right. Make it balance out in their favor one way or the other. Correct. If you're going to do division, like, obviously we want to do divisionals and we want to travel. So make it conducive for the kids that are traveling with us to have some sort of point system. Even if it's, you know, it doesn't have to be this big elaborate thing, but, you know, make it a basic point system. They get 10 points per round or, you know, and they get an extra, you know, five points for qualifying number one or, you know, an extra 10 points for winning, you know, just something basic. And I think that car counts would even be better. Cool. It's not a bad idea at all. Now, has that been presented to the division at all, or is that just something that's kind of floating around in the air? It it has been presented. Uh, Christy Pascal has talked to Dave Moan. Dave actually very much in our favor for getting juniors in there. Um, He did mention something about, you know, possibly trying to get some sort of point system. It's just going to take a little bit of planning. Now, I don't know if that's on the part right. of NHRA or the, a part of someone. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely been brought up, which I think would be a good thing for these kids. Cool. That's awesome. And, then of course, they get, you know, obviously, especially at our home track, New England, they get um, exposure in front of the national event crowd with you guys displaying the cars. And yeah. they get to kind of learn how to – how to work the crowd, so to speak, with, you know, yep. 30, 40,000 fans making their way through over the the long weekend of racing. Oh, so, yeah. it, it, you know, and then, you know, Mr. Junior Dragster himself, Antron Brown, always makes a point to come over and talk to everybody, and he especially seems to talk to Olivia a lot. <laughs> well, you know, this year was great because we had, when we ran the national event at Epping, we had uh, – Sean Langdon, we had Antron Brown, we had, uh, who else came up? Erica Enders came up. I, I'm not, I can't remember if Leah Pritchett was up there. My kids didn't run this year, but uh, the year before, Sean Langdon actually ran Chris. He actually oh, really? went out there on the track. Oh, yes, it was awesome. And, and Antron Brown ran Olivia. It was great. Like, for them to come out there, you know, and, and have the kids be like, you know what? You know, like Eric Enders, he started off in a junior. Like these kids started off, these people started off in junior. So give them something to strive for. Like, you know, do I want to do this for a living? Do I want to just do this for fun? You know, there's a possibility that if I'm good at what I do, I can get that far. Because I think that kids these days don't have those kind of goals. And I think that if they have, you know, with, with everything that's going on in today's society, I think that, you know, these kids and juniors, if you give them something to do, you give them something to keep them busy, they have no time to get in trouble. They have no time to be, to get into anything else. They have no money to get into anything else. Right. Let's get them addicted to drag racing, and let's just stick with that. Yep. Then they won't have time for anything else. And like you, like you said, right. then, then right. you can use that as the, you know, the, uh, okay, Where's your report card? Oh, let me tell you. We had to do that this year. We had to do that you had at the to beginning drop of the, the year. Hammer on them? 
Yep, we did. Yep. The little one didn't race for a month. He wasn't very happy. As I say, did, this, you know did, he, did he pucker up a little bit and get the boo face going on? He did. He, uh, That's he good, did, though. but you know what? I, he brought his grades up and he was able to race again. These kids need to understand that. I mean, you know, yeah. they they need to have a a goal. Now, let me ask well, you this. As, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Go ahead. I remember uh, Kurt Johnson back when he, even, I don't think he was driving in pro stock yet, him saying, you know, he had to keep his grades up. And if he didn't, he wasn't allowed to go to races with his mom and dad, Warren and Arlene. So I think that's a great thing to teach to a kid that, hey, honey, you got to keep your grades up or you're not going to go racing this weekend. Yep. Now, my question to you is, as a parent of two boys who race, gets involved in all the school activities and everything that they got going on at school, do you see a big difference in your kids as to compared to the other kids in their classes? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So we had we had a uh, a little show and tell. So we uh, back when when Eric was younger, we brought the truck when it was black before it was even painted. We bought the truck and we bought his brought his junior to the elementary school when he was in second grade for kind of a little show and tell. And some of these kids were absolutely in awe. But also, you know, you, you told the kids, okay, you can come up and look, but please don't touch. Some of them have zero respect for anything. Some of them were good. Some of them were fine, but some of them, you know, would start touching buttons and you're like, okay, buddy, you know, don't touch any buttons. Why? I can touch anything I want. And that was the attitude. I'm like, wow, I don't understand some of these kids. Like where, where are you learning these attitudes from? Because I tell you what, if my kids ever had any of that attitude, it would be get out of the race car right now. You're done. Sit on the golf cart. Yep. So I think having having something held over their heads is is good is good for the kids. It's it's good to not that you want to not that you're blackmailing them, but you know, it, 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 racing is supposed to be something fun. So just there's like a lot of the consequences to your actions. Correct, correct. And I think a lot of kids don't have that these days. I think society is way different. I mean, gosh, when I was a kid, if I didn't do my chores every day, I had to do them over and over and over again until they were right, and then I still didn't get paid. I mean, you know, I grew up in a very, you know, a a very strict household. I was an only child. I had my chores to do every day, and what was held over me was pretty much nothing, but I just did it because my parents said so. It's not like that anymore. There's no Yep. There's no such thing as, you know, if a kid does something wrong, they say, well, why? And a parent will say, well, because I said so. Well, that's not good enough anymore. It doesn't yep. seem to be good enough anymore. As as almost everybody knows, I work in the school system. And the people that I work with, we are not shy. It's pansy parenting. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. Now, I tend to be the squeaky wheel, and, and I'm that parent that, like, if my kids have an issue at school, if they're having a problem with, you know, math or whatever, 
I am on the horn. I'm emailing them. I'm texting them. I'm send, you know, having my kids do extra homework. Like I, I'm that. And I always, and I actually asked my cousin who is a, a very new teacher. She just graduated from school and she's teaching at, uh, uh, she's down in math somewhere. She teaches high school math. I said, am I like the annoying parent? And she goes, no, she goes, more parents need to be like you. More parents need to get right. involved in what their kids are, are, are doing. Right. Yeah. Oh, it's not my job. They're at school. It's your. It's your job. Yeah, but I you hear know, that crap every in day. Long, in the long run, they're still your kid, and yep. you know your kid better than anybody else. So if your kid's having an issue, yep. and the teachers, you know, it, I don't care how good the teacher is, if the, if it's not happening. As a parent, like I've had to get a tutor because no matter how many times they try teaching my kid at school or how many ways they tried teaching him, he wasn't getting it. So I had to do something in order for him to get it. Yep. And I think that a lot of parents yeah. need to step up and do that. Absolutely. And I, I love the fact that you said yes, that your, your kids as racers as compared to other kids in their classroom are different in how they act, how they behave, and how they know that if they screw up, crap, I don't get to go play this weekend. Yep. I yeah, love that. I, I, I absolutely like, love it. I mean, I, I it really is night and day. Some of the kids that were, were uh, just, you know, you try to, you try to do something nice for the kids. You know, you bring in something like that. And and if you start touching buttons in the truck, it's not, it could damage stuff. It's not just, you know, don't touch it. It's, you could damage some stuff. So please don't touch anything. You can look. Yeah. And some of this stuff and, isn't cheap to replace. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, you try telling these kids that. And, and for me, as a complete stranger going in there to get that attitude, I'm thinking, man, what are you learning at your house that you're treating a complete stranger like that? My kids, when they're out in public, are, you know, yes, please, thank you, no thank you. Like, they're polite. They know how to act in public. And I just don't see that in kids. I mean, all the kids, all of our junior kids are super kids. They all yep. get along, you know. They, and, and we are all like a family, honestly, because there are some times where, you know, obviously our kids aren't perfect. And there have been times where one of the kids, it was a, a, a I'm not going to name, name any names, but there was one of the kids that had kind of an attitude toward his mother. And two of us other mothers were standing there, and we pretty much pounced on him. <laughs> so I think it right. does take kind of a village. And we're, we all kind of have this agreement where if, if our kids are by your place and they're misbehaving, do something about it. Right. Well, so when I bring the kids to the to the divisional, before they even get out of that bus, at that place is you could literally hear a pin drop when I talk to them. I tell them, "You represent the YMCA. You represent, you know, the camp. But pers- but most of all, you represent me." Because probably seventy-five to eighty percent of the people that are in this facility know who I am, and I don't take that lightly. And I've never had a problem. And that's all those kids you brought. 
were super Go awesome. I, I mean, when you when you came over to our pit and I saw a car coming, I'm like, everybody move back, and they all move back. Like they were yep. all listening. None of them were off in La La Land. None of them were on their phones. None of them were. They were all listening, and I said, "All right, everybody, move back so the car can get by." And they all did what they were supposed to do. Yep. So, it all takes a little effort, but you know, again, congratulations to you. You had a you had a, a great breakout year. Best of luck to Brian um, at the Rock this weekend and down at Darlington. And um, I'm flying I'm down very to Darlington, so glad. I'm very glad that you were able to answer your phone last night. <laughs> oh, me too. Well, it was like at like seven fifteen, like the phone hadn't rung yet. And I'm like, oh, my phone hasn't rung yet. <laughs> I'm like, I know. I get a Facebook message. Um. <laughs> so. Um. So I'm gonna be in Darlington for that race, and if I have a chance, if my phone will work and I have service, I will do a couple live feeds from down there. Awesome. That would be great. So I, if I can, so. I don't know if I can tag you in them or how I can do it, but I will go. I'll I will I'll text you through Facebook yep. and let you know maybe what time I'm going to go live and and I'll I'll try to right. do some some live from the start line stuff. All right, cool. I'll send, I'll I'll uh, I'll Facebook you my my cell phone number too. So. Sounds good. All right, cool. Well, Carrie, Corey, thank you for coming on and hanging out. Thank you for providing us with some information as we lock it in through the show tonight. Um, it's always fun to talk to you. You're very, you're, your enthusiasm is infectious, as they say. Oh, so. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so I'll talk to you soon. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, be good. All right, bye-bye. All right. So like I said, Carrie Corey, she's a first-time winner in um, Super Street this year at uh, the Divisional at Englishtown, her very first win, her very first Wally. So it's always fun to talk to her. Like I said, she's very bubbly. She uh, has a ton of enthusiasm, you know, with everybody in her immediate family, her, her husband, both of their kids um, are racers. So it's just it, it's it's a cool deal, and they they've done a lot for us and for me over the past year or so. And I was very happy when they said they would come back um, on board in 2018 um, with their family-owned business, PowerTech. So, cool. So, Mike, when cool uh, you – oh, go ahead. Sorry. I said about, you know, we talk a lot on this show about families, and we're all you – know, when I raced – we were all one big family. It didn't matter if you were a stock, a super stock, super comp, super gas, whatever. We were all one big family. But to have somebody like them, you know, to have blood family, your husband and both your kids and yourself race, that's that's got to be a hell of a lot of fun. I'm, I'm an only child. My dad raced a couple times before I was born, before he went to the service, but... Maybe after he got back from Vietnam, but you know, I was basically a you know, one-man band as far as racing in our family. So to hear stories like that, that's that's very cool. Yeah, that's what it's all about. So, uh, Tri-State Stock Super Stock Association is getting ready to wrap up their season. Why don't you uh, 
Let's close this out with a little tri-state update. Yes, our season finale will be November 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Uh, the races are November 4th and 5th. They're, the track is having a test in tune from 4 till 8.30, I think, on Friday night, and I'm trying to get together some type of like a $20 entry gambler race that pays winner and runner-up, maybe semis, or maybe a $5 best package shootout like we used to have there in years past. Uh, be November 3rd, 4th, and 5th, Hagerstown, Maryland, Mason-Dixon Dragway, the annual uh, Mason-Dixon Stock Superstock Fall Classic, and this year will be my 23rd year in a row going to this race. I went there on the weekend when I turned 16 years old in 1995, and, like, damn, it's, it, sometimes it seems like yesterday, and a lot of times it seems like forever ago, and it was 22 years ago, but it's always a great way to wrap up the season. You know, I've talked before, somebody mentioned on my Facebook page a year or two ago that this race answers the question if you threw a party and a race broke out and that's kind of like <laughs> what this is it's like one it's come well, you saw it probably you know like the pig roast was you know it's a lot of racing during the day but a lot of fun even for some maybe more fun in the evening after the racing is done the pig roast and stuff down there Oh, absolutely. It was a blast. All right. Well, we're going to get ready to wrap things up. Sorry about that, Mike. Um, going to be back Monday night. We're going to be back at 8 o'clock. Um, I have an event that I have to go to from 530 to 7. So thank you to Carrie. Mike, thank you as always. Great conversation tonight. I think we, talk, we pretty much covered damn near everything that's happening right about now. And... Um, would you go ahead and uh, close us out, my good man? Yes, good night, everybody. Thanks for listening, and good luck if you're racing anywhere this weekend. All right, Mike, have a great night. Thank you, as always, for all your work. We are out of here right now. This concludes our broadcast day. Click. Click. <laughs>